Welcome to History Books and Wine. We're your hosts, Lori Ann Bailey and Eliza Knight. We love sharing, so pour a glass of vino and let's dive into the past. Today we're excited to have a guest joining us, author Evie Dunmore. On this episode, we're going to talk about ancient artifacts and women's suffrage. Welcome, Evie. Hello. So glad to have you here. Yes, we're so glad to have you here, too. Happy to be here. Yay. Well, the first thing we do on every show before we dive into the intriguing information is find out what everyone is drinking. So, Evie, why don't you go first and tell us what you're having this evening? So, I'm currently teetotaling. Um, Ooh, so tonight, okay. yeah. I'm just having some water. It's in a martini glass, like it says martini on it. I but love it's it. Actually, water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like your glass. <laughs> thank you. It's it's got a nice shape. Um, but but normally I do love champagne. I really like champagne or champagne cocktails, like a French seventy-five. Love it. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Mm. How we're champagne you? fans too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> nice. Uh, so today I am having something different. I just got back from visiting my daughter halfway across the uh, the U.S. She's in Wisconsin, and I'm outside of D- uh, Washington D.C. And when I got home, my son had purchased and opened up a bottle of Bodega mm. Santelmo. And I had never heard of this before. It's a Malbec, and it's from Argentina. And it has a pretty pattern on the front where the edging looks like a stamp. So I thought that would be fun to just try the one that my son had opened. And my my son is older, so (laughs) he's not not drinking underage or anything. That's good. But but he did enjoy going out and purchasing some while I was gone, and I enjoyed him not not breaking into my stash. Yeah, understandably, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I am having um, it's called Intrinsic. It is a Cabernet Sauvignon, and I chose this one first of all because I love the label with the pretty red dress, but. The red dress reminded me of a scene in Evie's book that we're going to be talking about where the heroine Catriona is wearing a beautiful red dress. Mm, All right. Um, Well, today we're going to talk about your book, The Gentleman's Gambit. Can you start us off by telling our listeners what your book is about and how you came up with the idea to tell this story and perhaps a smidge about the rest of the books in your series, A League of Extraordinary Women. So The League of Extraordinary Women is a historical romance novel series, and it features a quartet of suffragists, four young women who end up becoming best friends through the suffrage cause in 1880s Victorian um, England. And the, the... all the books are standalones in the sense that you can, you know, you can pick them up out of order, but they all do hang together mm-hmm. through the friend group and the suffrage cause. And The Gentleman's Gambit is the final book in the series, and it features the, you know, the the last single lady, <laughs> so to say, uh, L- Lady Katrina Campbell. Mm-hmm. 
and yeah and her her love interest Elias Khoury and uh, it's really about this woman Katrina who's I wouldn't call her shy but she's extremely introverted and kind of stuck in her head um, but inside her head things are very lively <laughs> so um, she she's an <laughs> academic mm -hmm. She's an academic at a time where women were only just allowed to even enter university, still not necessarily allowed to get the same degrees as men in Oxford and Cambridge, for example. But she works as an assistant to her father, who happens to be a professor at Oxford. So she has kind of, she has a privilege, privileged situation going on where she can, you know, follow her uh, interests. And she's actually trained as a historical linguist. And she thinks she'd be quite happy just living out the rest of her days with her books and her research because all her attempts at romance mm -hmm. have gone wrong in the past as well uh, so she's like I don't want any more of that and then her father's new colleague said Mr. Elias Hoori it comes up to her castle in Scotland and you know <laughs> yeah she 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 meets him under funny circumstances for the first time. <laughs> she's kind of naked, and uh, things things take off from there. And oh. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Elias is coming to England under the pretense of wanting to uh, learn more about Katrina's father's work with ancient artifacts. He wants to assist in classifying them, but his actual plan is to take them back to the Middle East where they've been taken from. And there, oh. yeah, so that's how their love story evolves through all these conflicts and it's so a lots of built in conflict there. Yeah, <laughs> lots of built in conflict for sure. Yeah, I mean, at first sight, maybe, but obviously Katrina is, um, you know, well. I don't want to spoil any, any anything, but uh, she's <laughs> she, she's trying to be on the right side of history here. And of course, as a side gig, she has her last big campaign for women's suffrage going on in in the UK. Um, you know, just to to finish up that storyline that we started with in bringing down the Duke, which was the first book in the series. So we see all the other Great. girls again. Yeah. Such another good book. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And that's fun for readers to be able to revisit all of the ladies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hope so. I certainly had fun revisiting them as I was writing. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So as you mentioned, uh, the heroines in your series, including Katrina from Gentleman's Gamut, are all suffragists in the UK. From reading, we can see you did a lot of research about the movement and the various acts within Parliament that suffragists wanted overturned and others that they wanted implemented. Can you tell us a little bit about these acts um, that Katrina was interested in and your research? Sure. So I think the, the main act, the suffragists in my books are trying to amend, like the red thread running through these four books, is the Married Women's Property Act. Um, it's, it's an act that is trying to modify the uh, property rights of married women in the UK as laid out by common law. Uh, so in common law, under common law, women, once they're married, had zero rights. They simply ceased to exist as people and they also lost all their property to their husbands. They also couldn't, um, you know, pass on an inheritance 
things like that, not very nice. And the Married Women Property Act tried to amend mm -hmm. that by, um, you know, allowing women, married women some rights, some retention of property under certain circumstances. But really, if you look at it, it was just a bit of a, it was a very toothless act. It was crumbs, basically, that women had mm -hmm. been given after dozens of years of lobbying and nobody was really satisfied with it. What is also interesting about this act is that back at the time, voting rights were tied to property rights or to at least um, being the head of a household and having a certain level of income if you lived in a city. So if you as a married woman automatically didn't have full access to your property, <laughs> you know, you could be a wealthy woman and still be excluded from the vote because you didn't have any property to your name. Mm, yeah. yeah. So a lot of suffragists mm -hmm. said, let's focus on paving the way for when universal suffrage becomes real so that we don't stand here, you know, without any property and not qualifying for the vote. So it was quite complicated at the time. Also, they kind of liked to be a legal person. Um, <laughs> so that, that was another motivation. Mm -hmm. That's the main act that they focus on throughout, throughout the series. It's fascinating. It is. So, um, Elias Khoury, is that how you pronounced your hero's name? Elias Khoury. <laughs> yeah, almost close. <laughs> <laughs> I am so bad at pronunciation, so I'm glad you did that. <laughs> um, well, he is from Mount Lebanon in the Middle East, and he comes to the UK in search of ancient artifacts. We found the history behind the missing and stolen artifacts to be very interesting. Can you speak to our listeners about how many pieces of history and culture were taken into private collections in museums and universities during the big archaeological moments in history and further their return to their rightful countries? I will make the bold claim that you cannot estimate the sheer amount of artifacts that have been taken during the time mm -hmm. of let's just focus on Britain during active empire times I don't think you can get a handle on those numbers because today the British Museum alone has about 8 million artifacts in their collection and I think we can safely say that the vast majority of those oh 8 million artifacts is not British in origin and that's one museum. And I can only yeah. speculate how much of that was acquired through morally and legally sound channels over time. It's always right. very possible that something was gifted or excavated under licenses, uh, legally you know, obtained. That's totally possible. But as the gentleman's gambit also shows, um, <laughs> a lot of the time empires cooperated with empires and much of the Middle East back in the day was under the rule of the Ottoman Empire and the Ottomans were not native to the region where lots of artifacts were taken. So you can make mm. another argument as if like, well, how how can they truly license the um, collection of artifacts of a people that is not them? So how, essentially, how can they give another people's heritage away and be morally in the right, even though at the time it might have been legally legal. So that's that's an interesting question to ask. And another figure I mm -hmm. can give you is that very recently during the Syrian um, war, the war in Syria, uh, 
as I was writing the book, I, I read a figure that the Syrian government had managed to retrieve about 35,000 artifacts that had been stolen throughout the 10 year wow. uh, war period. So that's 35,000 artifacts that we know of that have been retrieved. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mm-hmm. We, we can assume that the number of smuggled and stolen artifacts is far higher, and that's in recent times. So it's an ongoing issue. Right. Yeah. Wow, that's fascinating and sad. Mm-hmm. So beyond the history regarding women's suffrage and artifacts, there were also other little nuggets that we found interesting in your book, such as women residing at Oxford and the firefighting. It really felt like you brought the age to life. What sort of research did you do um, into women in education at Oxford? I'm so happy that you mentioned the firefighting because that was <laughs> a personal favorite of mine. And maybe you noticed because I wouldn't have had to, you know, put it so extensively into the book, not necessarily, but I thought it was <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought it was such a great example of the um, hypocrisy at the time with which women were treated. So the reason why mm-hmm. uh, women at university, at women's colleges or that the compounds for women at university needed to train as firefighters and had their own water wagons and hoses and like tubes which to escape was because they built the women's housing, the dorms, so far from the city center that fire engines of the town wouldn't have reached them on time to, you know, provide aid on time. And the reason they built them so far out is to preserve women's propriety. And I'm thinking that's really messed up priorities here, right? So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And and then women got a hard time in the press for handling hoses. Like, ooh, you can't hold right. a gushing hose. That's kind of scandalous. So what are they going to do? It's like a lose-lose situation. <laughs> and uh, I, I thought it's such a great way of illuminating the contradictions through which these women had to live on a daily basis. And that's why I yeah. put it in. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed that because it was mm. really really <laughs> a very um, hypocritical of them to say okay well you have to be in charge of your own firefighting but also don't hold the hose like that please (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah we've come a long way well thank you so much for sharing your fascinating answers with us before we dive into the next stage of our show which is one of our favorites three fun facts we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors Hello there, history books and wine lovers. This is your host, Eliza Knight here, and I can't wait for this summer because I have a brand new book coming out. As you know, one of the reasons Lori and I started this podcast was our love of wine, history, and books. And guess what? I'm not just a podcast host. I'm also an author. So I have to ask you, do you like royals? How about corgis? Releasing on June 11th is my book, The Queen's Faithful Companion, an endearing and vivid story told from the unique multi-narrative viewpoints of a young Queen Elizabeth, Hannah Fenwick, the fictionalized keeper of the Queen's Corgis, and yes, Susan, the Queen's Corgi, whose love and loyalty were boundless. A reigning queen, a loyal servant, and a faithful companion. This is one book you're not going to want to miss. Early readers can't get enough of the Queen's Corgis, and I admit, I'm also completely obsessed. 
Right now, you can pre-order The Queen's Faithful Companion anywhere books are sold, or you can visit my website, www.elizanight.com, to pre-order there. Happy reading! Hi there, History Books and Wine listeners. Thanks for tuning in to our show. I'm one of your hosts, Lori Ann Bailey. Not only am I a podcaster, but I also write sweeping historical romances that will take you back in time and whisk you away on an adventure with action, intrigue, suspense, warring clans, tested loyalties, and love conquering all. My Highland Pride series follows the Cameron clan in 17th century Highlands when Scotland was fighting for their independence and honor and family were prized above all. Highland Deception, the first novel in the five book series, won the National Reader's Choice Award and Holt Medallion for Best First Book and Best Historical. The entire Highland Pride series is available in print, ebook, or audio. For more information on how you can be swept away on my hero and heroine's journeys of growth and discovering their destinies in historic Scotland, visit my website at laurieannbailey.com. And we're back. So, Evie, why don't you tell us three fun facts you discovered during your research for this book? Or the series, up to you. So I think the first one I've just mentioned, it's the firefighting. Uh, Definitely memorable. I would count it as one of the three fun facts I discovered Mm -hmm. in this book. Um, The other one Mm -hmm. is related to the small side plot for Katrina's suffrage cause, right? So in the book, she's not working specifically on the Married Women's Property Act like the other women, but they've already started a new front of work, so to say, and she's in charge of <laughs> trying to abolish the, um, the writ of restitution of conjugal rights. I don't want to go into too much what that writ was, but basically it allowed it meant that if you left your spouse without a proper legal separation your spouse could take out this writ against you and basically force you back into the marital home and this disproportionately affected women even though apparently it was also meant to protect women so they could go after men and get alimony from them but in practice it didn't didn't really play Mm -hmm. out that well in favor of women so here Katrina is trying to overturn this and I looked into the real case that got this uh, writ overturned and it was because Mrs. Weldon, the figure in the book, it was a real person and she, we, we know that she took out the writ against her husband and he refused to go back to the marital home but the prospect of seeing him a man and an army a higher ranking army officer in prison was so appalling to parliament at the time that they very quickly passed an act to amend this writ. So it took a woman taking out this writ against the husband who was like, <laughs> mm. I'd rather go to jail. And suddenly, you know, people moved. And this, <laughs> this is a real story and you couldn't yeah. make it up because um, the woman, Miss Weldon, looked familiar to me. And 
once I looked at the pictures, I realized that in the second book of the series, A Rogue of One's Own, where uh, the heroine Lady Lucy buys a publishing house and she goes through the advertisements that her predecessors, how do you say, people came before her, put in the magazines. Um, Mm -hmm. She and the hero are kind of chatting about this one advertisement where like a 50-year-old woman is saying, thanks to Pear's soap, I have the skin of a 17-year-old even though I'm 50. And it turns <laughs> out, it turns out that our Miss Weldon, the one who sued her husband, she wasn't just Miss Weldon and being politically active, she was also a model for Pear's soap in her older age. Oh my gosh, oh, that's so funny. So, that I had, so I had inadvertently done a crossover in these books and I thought yeah. that's, mm -hmm. that's really fun. So I felt like Mrs. Weldon was kind of supposed to be yeah. in those novels, yeah. That's really cool. That is. So, um, thank you for sharing those fun facts with us. Is there anything else you would like to share about The Gentleman's Gambit? Mm, no, no, just hope that readers who love the series or who are fans of the series and have been looking forward to it are going to enjoy it. They waited for the book for a year longer than planned because it took me a year longer than planned to write it. Yeah, so I hope people who pick it up mm -hmm. will end up enjoying it. I think I'm they, sure will. they will. <laughs> Thank you. So we're writers, but we're also readers. And we always love to ask, what are you reading? Yeah, so I've recently read two romances that I can recommend for people who enjoy romance novels. So mm -hmm. one is an Jane Austen Emma retelling by uh, Amna Qureshi. And it's called Ooh, If I Loved You fun. Less. It's a it's a South South Asian Ooh, Emma retelling. That's a great title too. Yeah, it's that the title is what what really got me when when I was asked whether I'd like to read yeah. the book. I was like, with that line, yeah, with that title, I'm absolutely reading it. Yes, <laughs> and it was great. Yeah. It was so witty and it was fun. It was fast paced and just lovely. I recommend it. It's it's coming up soon. And the mm. other one I can recommend with you know the winter coming up is uh, Beth O'Leary's new novel The, the Wake Up Call and it's um, it's currently mm. out and it's the uh, perfectly cozy Christmas enemies to lovers rom-com set in a small town English oh, hotel yeah I really enjoyed it it's got a great atmosphere so if you feel like drinking some oh. wine or hot chocolate while reading this book I think it goes perfectly yeah. with that it does sound like fun yeah, and going right like into, <laughs> you know, the, the beginnings of the holiday season. Yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's freezing here, so I am looking yeah. for cozy books. <laughs> it definitely feels like, like it's time. Yeah, yeah. you too. And really suddenly, so, you know, um, the weather has been wild. One day it's super warm yep. and other days the mm -hmm. temperatures drop. I have no idea how to dress anymore when I leave the house. Yes, yeah, the same layers. thing has happened here. Mm -hmm. And um, we had a lot of rain over the weekend, and now it's like winter. It's, we got up and it was like 40 degrees outside, and just going to be cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's Fahrenheit. You're probably not Fahrenheit, are you? 
No, we do it yeah. in Celsius. And you know what? I don't know I what spent, that is in I, Celsius. Yeah. It would be pretty warm over there. I spent a year in the States. I spent a whole year of my life in the United States and I never understood the whole Fahrenheit Celsius conversion thing. I still can't yeah. do it. It's beyond me. I don't understand it either. Yeah. <laughs> it's very confusing. Especially for us since... Uh, it's Fahrenheit, uh, 32 is freezing, and you would think that would be zero. Like, at zero, everything freezes. No, it's 32. It does make more sense. It's random. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Evie, where can our readers find you? So, I have a newsletter uh, where you can sign up for... Okay. Yeah, and it's it's... I send it out around every six weeks or so, so you won't get a whole lot of them. But when you do get them... I usually have a giveaway in there or um, recommending some of my recent favorite reads. I put uh, my favorite books when I find them on sale. I will, you know, put them into the newsletter so you can get a bargain there. And just chatting about some background stuff with, you know, for example, how I come up with the names of the characters. Sometimes I include bonus material like deleted scenes. and. Yeah, it's, it's really fun for me mm -hmm. to, to have this newsletter. And you can sign up to it when you go to my website, which is just uh, eviedanmore.com. And the other places where I Perfect. am sharing info is my Instagram, which is evietheauthor. <laughs> and I'm also on Facebook as evidanmore. I have an author page and I will also share giveaways and, and, and news there. Excellent. Thank right. you so much. Yes. This has been really fun. So I appreciate yeah. you coming on and chatting with us and sharing all this great information about your new book. Thank yeah, you. we enjoyed having you today. Thank you so much for having me. It's really been great fun to see you and to chat about the Gentleman's Gambit. Yeah. Yay. Yay. And good luck with the, uh, the book. Yes. Ah, thanks. You're welcome. So we hope you enjoyed today's episode with guest author Evie Dunmore. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the rest of this season's lineup. Coming up, we have guests Eli Merritt, Holly Snaith, and Elizabeth Carey Mahone joining us. We will also have a happy hour coming up, one on the history of Elizabeth II and Prince Philip's romance. For more information about today's episode, click on the show notes. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HistoryBKSWine for additional historical tidbits and updates. If you like what you heard today, please leave us a review. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you download your podcast. That way you're notified every time a new episode is live. Subscribes and reviews help us get noticed. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to check out our episodes published weekly on Tuesdays. Until next time. Cheers! And happy reading.